it's hard not to continue to listen to flat black plastic um such a great show um i believe he's here uh from two to four it's either 12 to two or two to four uh don't kill me but hold on one sec (laughs) yeah um it's such a great show um so you definitely want to tune in um and all of our podcast great podcasts are available through the website mutinyradio.fm and um, I am DJ Aisha. Um, I am back in black, is what they like to say. Um, I figured I would make an appearance since it's been a couple weeks, and people might be wondering, what the heck, woman? <laughs> Where are you at? Um, it's been a little crazy the past couple of weeks, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, my 9 to 5 uh, decided they were moving offices uh, at the end of September, beginning of October. Uh, so yeah, that's been kind of an adjustment there. Um, I have went to Utah for a couple days to visit some family. Um, and then I decided, uh, right around Halloween that I wanted to, uh, pursue my own business. So I've pretty much been locked into that the past two weeks. Today's the first day where I'm like, I'm kind of getting the hang of it. Um, but it's pretty much, uh, because I'm using, LinkedIn Profinder. I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but if you have a LinkedIn premium account, you have access to all these other uh, sites or, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, services um, or many sites within LinkedIn. So one of them is Profinder. Apparently it's been around for about two and a half years. Kind of wish I had known about it sooner, but, um, you know, I'm getting the hang of it. It pretty much connects you with people who need your services. So depending on what you do, so I do cover letters and resumes. Um, I also do um, interview and job coaching, career coaching, uh, you name it. I'm kind of just all over the place with that right now. So just kind of getting my footing there and it takes time, you know, and I have a workout schedule that I stick to. I pretty much exercise six or seven days a week. Um, It can get pretty exhausting sometimes, but um, that's the way to do it. It's the way to stay in shape, and that's what's important to me. So fuck anyone who doesn't agree with it. And anyways, uh, so I just thought I would fill you guys in on what I've been up to since the last time I was here, in case you care. But even if you didn't, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, have some some great interviews for you tonight. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I interviewed LP GOB. She's kind of uh, a one woman class act. She's a producer. She also performs. Um, she also does. Uh, I want to say different events where she's kind of like a coach, if you will, or she kind of wants to give back to the community. But anyways, you'll find out more. Um, She was here recently. She opened for Sophie Tucker at the Fox Theater. That was a couple weeks ago. And then um, I also have an interview that I've really been wanting to play for you guys. Kind of excited about it. It's the director of a documentary about about Blue Note Records. And if you know anything about jazz music, Blue Note was kind of at the forefront or the center of anybody who was anybody during that time. And you should definitely see the film. 
it uh, touches on uh, some of the jazz greats, uh, Thelonious Monk, uh, Miles Davis. As you know, I was uh, interviewing uh, some of Miles Davis' family, surviving family members uh, for a biopic just about him. So I guess um, 2019 has kind of been... Uh, has been that year where there's just a lot of great um, music documentaries. I forgot to start the recording. Hold on, guys. It's only been a few weeks, so I'm a little bit rusty, but getting the hang of it here. And thanks again for tuning in. And that's kind of the programming that's going to be happening tonight. So I hope you're excited. Um, I'm kind of excited to be here. Uh, sometimes I'm like, hmm, do I want to be at Mutiny? I do. I do. <laughs> Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't you worry your little heads. Um, but kind of slowing down for the end of 2019. But there are some interesting things happening next year. Not just because it's an election year, but um, that could be part of the interesting thing that happens but uh you want to stay tuned and find out what mutiny has to offer i know we're having another great comedy festival in march of next year so you want to go to mutiny radio on facebook on instagram on twitter uh follow us on there and you'll find out more i wanted to uh talk to you guys as you know we have the upcoming uh, 2020 election here. Um, they're also going to be having elections in the UK. Um, so in case you wanted to know who's backing who over there, or if you happen to live over there and you're pretty familiar with that, this is a new story from the enemy.com, a new letter supporting Jeremy Corbyn signed by Roger Waters, Robert Dalnaha, and more Brian Eno, Vivian Westwood, who I adore and Mark Ruffalo, who I also love are also among the 30 signatories declaring their support for the labor leader ahead of next month's general election. Okay. So this is Come, it's happening, guys. Uh, so pay attention. An open letter written in support of Labor leader Jeremy Corbyn has collected 30 signatories from a wide range of high-profile public figures, including musicians like Roger Waters, Brian Eno, Thurston Moore, Robert Delnaha, and Loki. Enemy can exclusively reveal. The support follows the release of a letter from other celebrity names denouncing what they feared to be the prospect of a prime minister steeped in association with anti-Semitism and comes less than a month before the UK general election on December 12th. In the new letter, the signatories also featuring a range of major authors and academics, notably Naomi Klein and Noam Chomsky, describe Corbyn as a lifelong committed anti-racist and claim that no political party or political leader has done more to address anti-Semitism than Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party. Read the full letter below. Do I want to read this full letter? Oh, it's not too full. Okay. Uh, to the editor, the upcoming UK election is indeed a landmark and monumental one. Signatories to a recent letter attest. However, we are outraged that Jeremy Corbyn, a lifelong committed anti-racist, is being smeared as an anti-Semite. Sounds familiar. By people who should know better. Anti-Semitism is a problem within society and is present within all political parties. Mm -hmm. and movements, including labor. It must be confronted and rooted out at every turn. No political party or political leader has done more to address this problem than Jeremy Corbyn, excuse me, <coughs> and the Labor Party. 
In the last two years, the speed of investigations has increased fourfold. Staffing committed to dealing with the issue has doubled. Legal experts have been drafted and rules changed to expedite sanctions. But the prevailing evidence speaks for itself. Labor's political opponents and much of the media have trivialized and weaponized the issue for ideological ends. So disgusting. Progressives around the world are looking to this election and to the Labour Party as a beacon of hope in the struggle against emergent far-right nationalism, xenophobia, and racism in much of the democratic world. It has never been more important that voters are made aware of the truth of what the Labour Party under Jeremy Corbyn stands for, the eradication of all racism, including anti-Semitism, wherever it rears its ugly head. And then there's a, a long list of artists, including Angela Davis, Steve Coogan, Roger Waters. Uh, see anybody else that we know? Mark Ruffalo, which is interesting because he lives here, and he's. Uh, but it's great that people have the opportunity to not just worry about themselves. Like I'm pretty much just focused on the 2020 election, but it's cool that Mark Ruffalo is like, Hey guys, this is really important. Um, I have this platform and I'm going to use it for this purpose. In an enemy interview with Jeremy Corbyn prior to the UK's last general election in 2017, the labor leader revealed he has a wide range of musical tastes. I've got to fess up here. I'm not very musical, but I love music. Corbyn said in the interview, when I'm at home late in the evening, I have classic FM or I have radio three on, or I put some music on of other sorts. I listen to a whole range of things. That sounds great. And just as a side note to this, since I am not practicing Judaism, uh, but I have an interest in learning, you know, more about, uh, my family history. So that's part of the reason why I went to Utah. Cause that's where my uh, where my grandmother lives and, you know, she has a lot of knowledge about the family that maybe other people, other people wouldn't necessarily know. So yeah, I asked her what she thought about, you know, some of the people in the white house who claim that they're religious, claim that they have a Jewish background, yet they do nothing when they see people of that religion being slaughtered. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she just kind of kept it cool there. But I think for for my generation, it's like once we see something like that, we have to say something. That saying that they have, if you see something, say something. You know, we have opinions. We have our opinions. We're not afraid to voice them. We're not going to keep quiet. Same thing with the women's movement. I know I'm kind of going on a tangent right now, but I think it's great that, you know, people are speaking up the impeachment inquiry is happening um, the last time I was here that was just you know kind of an afterthought but now it's kind of at the forefront which is it's great I kind of wish it would have happened sooner um I know I'm going on a tangent trying to stay on topic tonight guys <laughs> give me give me give me a moment it's only 11 minutes into the show <laughs> but anyways there's just so much that's that's going on and um you know you try to stay on top of it all but it's it's next to impossible um especially when you try to keep up with world events but anyways the UK general election is happening December 12th pay attention uh go online, figure out what the platforms are. Um, it sounds like um, Boris Johnson isn't that great of a prime minister. He has an interesting personal history, but hey, um, I'm not living over there, so I'm just giving you guys the benefit of the doubt. Um, I am 
living in the United States. And um, there's a lot of anti-Semitism happening here. Like, I just never had to think about it. I know that that wasn't the case for my grandfather, who was a... Um, a survivor. He barely survived the Holocaust. He um, he was in. Uh, I think he had a, a passport of some sort, and they couldn't tell from his Bulgarian passport uh, that he was Jewish. So he just kind of slid right right through the cracks there, and um, it's just some amazing stories like that where um, you know, survivors, Audrey Hepburn, for instance, she was a, she was an artist and she used her craft to send messages to, um, the resistance at the time. My grandfather was also part of the resistance. Keep in mind they were, they were children at the time. Uh, so again, we don't really want something like that to happen here. I guess, to translate to 2019, there's, you know, children who are killing themselves and killing other people. Um, so that's something that we should be paying attention to when we go to the voting booth. How can we stop that? How can we, how can we give people what they need? I would argue take away the guns or take away the assault rifles, at least. I don't know about take away the guns. I take that back. I think certain people should have access to guns. I think I should have access to, um, you know, something handheld, something where I'd be able to keep it in my apartment. I wouldn't be carrying it around. But um, there's no need for assault weapons. I don't really get why people think that's something they should have. Um, but I also think that mental health plays a part as well. Um, we don't have universal health care in this country, and that's my main issue for this election. I think Medicare for all is the way to go. It's not going to be a smooth transition. It might take years to get it right, but um, why can't health care be like your um, be like your cable bill or your, your phone bill. Why can't you, why can't I customize what I need, uh, via, you know, Medicare for all? That's kind of my goal is, um, how can I make sure my chiropractic visits are covered? Um, how can I make sure my ear, nose and throat doctor visits are, are covered? Um, if it's, uh, you know, I just think we need to cut out, um, the private insurance companies, because, um, you know, if you want to sign up for that, then, then do it. But I think we should have another option. And I think, me um, Medicare for all is the way to go. And if you're privileged enough to be able to, um, afford private insurance and you're willing to pay out of pocket for it by all means. But, um, I think everyone from the time that they're born should have the option to be covered no matter what, at least have the basic things covered, um, not have to pay out, not have, uh, out of pocket expenses, be able to get the medication that you need. The system is, is not designed for that. So we, so we need to rethink it. We need to, you know, pay attention to what Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and what some of the other progressive, you know, senators and, uh, re um, house representatives are, are talking about, cause these are things that are affecting all of us. Um, I talked to my mom about it, and she's like, oh, I don't go to the doctor that often. I'm really going on a tangent, guys. I apologize. But um, I, 
you know, for her, she doesn't have to worry about going to a doctor or getting, you know, certain services or whatever, which is great. She should still be covered. What I'm saying is I think we should get to a point where it's a la carte. Um, my resume business, I give people options. Do you want this? Do you want a resume? Do you want a cover letter? Do you want coaching? You tell me what you want. What I'm saying is instead of the insurance companies telling us what we need, we're telling uh, we're going to have more options through Medicare where we can select what's going to work for you as the consumer. It's giving you the power. That to me makes more sense. That really is a 21st century, you know, idea there. So in that way, I don't know if we'll be exactly like the UK. I don't know if it'll be exactly like, um, what they have in Europe, but, um, that could really catapult us into, you know, the 21st century and, uh, giving people, you know, that buying power, that financial freedom, um, that's just one, that's just one part of the puzzle. But, um, in case you're wondering, that's my number one issue for this election. And that's why I'm voting for Elizabeth. And I hope you guys will, uh, pay attention to that and, uh, don't be fooled by what you see at some of the debates there. So anyways, still got some time to find another news story for you guys. God, some of these stories I'm like, really? Really, 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 really. There's some good stuff here. Here we go. Well, it's like I could do that story or I could do that. No, let's do this one. Uh, Frozen 2 is coming out. How about Tom York? Since it's been almost a year um, since I had the pleasure of seeing his uh, presence (laughs) here in San Francisco. Lucky me was totally worth it. Watch Tom York perform haunting new ballad, Daily Battles, mm-hmm, from the film Motherless Brooklyn. The track is taken from the Edward Norton's new film. I think I've seen the trailer. Excuse me. Uh, the Radiohead frontman performed the song yesterday during his second performance of 2019 on the nighttime show daily battles is taken from motherless brooklyn a new film blah 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 you already know that york recently appeared on jimmy kimmel to perform three songs from his new album anima he also released the music video for album single last i heard he was circling the drain <laughs> Last month, uh, York added new U.S. dates to his originally planned 2020 U.K. and Europe solo tour. Guess things are going well. As well as adding a second Manchester date to the U.K. leg of the tour last month, the musician revealed additional shows in New York City for March and April. He'll also stop by Mexico in late April. What? Further dates are scheduled in the UK and Europe beginning in June, including appearances at Poland's Opener Festival and Denmark's Rasklade Festival, in case you guys are international like that. York's upcoming tour dates are below. Um, Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah, I'm just taking a look because I haven't even, I wasn't paying attention, obviously, the first time around. Interesting. Well, I did see him. He's going to be in Colorado, uh, Minnesota, Illinois, and New York. So cool if you're on like the East Coast or, um, you know, centrally located and you haven't had a chance to see him. I definitely recommend it. It was worth it. And um, Radiohead was amazing. Got to see him at Outside Lands 2016. Definitely worth it. 
um, I wonder what outside lens is going to be like next year. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, it's just not what it used to be. But I, you know, I still pay attention for, for old times sake. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing about, uh, the new year, my God, just around the corner, um, new festivals, um, are going to be happening. It's kind of exciting. I'm kind of excited about, I don't know. I'm sure you guys already know, but Rage Against the Machine is going to be playing a few shows. <laughs> and of course, um, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, I'm going to be, uh, staying with my mom for periods of time. Uh, she's going to be moving to uh, Tucson, Arizona and Rage is going to be playing a, a show in Phoenix. So I'm like, can totally make that happen. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not really into Coachella. Like, I don't know if at this point in my life I want to drop serious money to, to go there, but, um, you know, hopefully I'm able to get tickets for the, for the Phoenix show. And that's happening, I think, March 28th. Don't quote me on it. I know it's like the end of March. So, um, you know, get your, get your credit cards ready. Cause I think the last time they played was a few years ago. They played, I think it was only at Coachella. Um, yeah, excuse me. It's March 30th. Uh, they'll be in Phoenix, Las Cruces on March 28th, El Paso on March 26th, and then two dates, the two weekends in, um, April at Coachella. Wouldn't that be funny if I was like, Hey guys, remember when I was talking shit about Coachella and then I actually ended up going, (laughs) that could totally happen. I'm just warning you. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the one exciting thing about the new year is I like to see, okay, who's coming. Um, that's going to be my excitement for 2020 besides the election. Make sure you tune in. Um, it's actually in four days. So put it in your calendar. The next debate is on November 20th. That's 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, 9 p.m. Uh, hold on. I'm looking it up for you guys. 9 p.m. Eastern. Is that right? Yeah. I have in my calendar and it's going to be on NBC or MSNBC. And, um, I think I'm taping it cause I have other stuff going on. Um, but if you have any questions, you can always email me. Um, if you want my input, Asha Spearman at gmail.com. If you know anyone that wants a resume or cover letter, uh, edited, tell them to email me at Asha Spearman at gmail.com. And you can also follow sounds from the street on Facebook pretty easy to find at sounds from the street sf and then working girls resume service uh, if you want to find out more about my background i'm trying to post something uh, i've been spending a lot of time on linkedin so i'm trying to you know cross reference on there um, if you know anyone please let me know um, but anyways, I guess at this point we've already done the news, so let's talk a little bit about upcoming shows before I play you guys some, some great interviews. And again, those interviews that you're going to be hearing tonight, LP Giobi and Sophie Huber. So you want to stay tuned for that, but let's see tonight. Oh, tonight and tomorrow night are two uh, performances by Slater Kinney at the Fox Theater in Oakland. I considered going to that, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But uh, hopefully if you have some extra, you know, some extra income this weekend and you're in the Bay Area, that sounds like something you should check out. Uh, 
and uh, <laughs> and then Wednesday, if you're not into politics but you love the Black Keys, they're playing at the Chase Center, and um, band that I uh, interviewed uh, not that long ago is going to be opening for them. And I'm trying to see who else is. Let's see, Cher. She's also going to be at the Chase Center. Um, I have not yet checked it out because I'm not um, of the millionaire or the billionaire class yet. So sorry, guys. Can't really fill you in on on that. Um, <laughs> that's another thing that's been interesting. Um, I was watching, I think it was Erin Burnett. Hats off to her. She's one of the anchors, main anchors at CNN. And she was interviewing I don't even know who he is. He's some billionaire that obviously has some standing and he was going off and he made no sense. He was like, yes, I'm okay with you raising the income tax, but I'm not okay with the wealth tax. Well, you don't get to pick and choose, dude. I think we, if we're going to do the income tax, we should only do it for people who are making $100,000 or more. And it needs to be based on where you're located, because if you live in the Bay Area or any of the metropolitan areas, pretty much it's going to be a little bit different. So I don't really understand him. And I got frustrated and I had an empty water bottle and I threw it at my TV. So I'm definitely, you know how they say people are being divisive or they're being affected and I'm definitely being affected by everything that's happening and I'm becoming more I'm going, I used to be more, I think, center left, but the last three years I'm becoming more and more progressive, more and more uh, radical, I guess you could say, because it's like, it just doesn't make any sense to me anymore. You have to, I feel like you do have to choose a side and you have to fight for it because you can't, I don't know, I guess some people could argue, well, you got to, you know, reach across the aisle. And it's like, well, I don't know. Something, that hasn't really worked for me in my personal life. But I guess in politics, it's something that you have to learn how to do. Anyways, back from that tangent, what else is going on? Only a few more weeks this year, guys. This kind of interested me, as you guys know. I've been to, uh, or maybe you don't know, I've been to a concentration camp in Austria. I went there when I was a student, and uh, my grandfather uh, narrowly survived the Holocaust. There's a theater production of interest called Convoy 31,000 about the women of the French resistance. Hello, that's pretty awesome. So I'm thinking about going to check that out and it's only for the next two weeks. So you definitely want to check it out and it's called, um, the company's called Theater Lunatico. So definitely find them on Facebook or I think I, that's how I found them as I typed in women's resistance and um, one of their uh, posters came up and I was like, that sounds like, I don't really go to theater shows. I probably should, but it's never too late. So anyways, go check that out. And then uh, the Dickens Fair, which you must go to if you've never been or if it's been years or decades since you went. It's so much fun. Uh, my friend Johnny and I went uh, last year and had a blast. You just get your mealed wine or your hot toddy or whiskey or whatever you're 
good for and you just watch you know watch some performances um eat some you know british cuisine do a little shopping um we haven't tried the chest i think it's the chestnut um cart that they have when you walk in i mean it's like a whole experience like you pretty much walk in and it's like you're in charles dickens time you're you're looking for scrooge you're looking for queen vicky you're like what else is going to happen so it's it's oh my god i'm so excited okay (laughs) hopefully i'm selling it well but yeah i did see like a procession for queen victoria and i was definitely had at least one alcoholic beverage by that point so it was it was well worth the time and um oh yeah another uh favorite uh blast from the past moon duo is going to be at the new parish that might be something worth seeing that's um next saturday in oakland uh, so definitely go check them out if you're into that sort of thing. The Chair and Poppin' Daddies, um, they're back. And um, they're going to be playing a show at Slim's uh, on a week from tomorrow. Uh, so definitely go check them out. Um, that was an interesting interview. Um, but you'll have to tune in next week to hear that. And let's see, November 26th, we're getting closer to Thanksgiving. Uh, Eve 6 is going to be playing in Berkeley at the Cornerstone. Uh, still haven't been there yet. Yeah, if you guys want to uh, find me on um, Instagram and let me know about, uh, if you've ever been to Cornerstone. Uh, my handle is at DJ Aisha, and I spell out the DJ part. Don't ask me why. Um because it wasn't taken, I guess, at the time. But yeah, let me know if you've been to the Cornerstone. Um, I'm curious. It sounds like it's more of like a craft uh, brewery place. And let's see, there's an Etsy uh, indie holiday experience happening at Pier 27. And that's uh, actually the weekend of Thanksgiving. So I don't know if you guys will be around. I'm tentatively planning going to Los Angeles because again, like I said, my mom's moving and I have 13 years of uh, boxes to go through, which means a total about eight boxes are my stuff at my mom's house, um, the place I grew up in. So that's going to be pretty stressful. It's not going to be like fun holiday season. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it because I'm more of a hoarder than a than you know somebody who gets rid of stuff. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting holiday, but we'll get through it. And um, I hope, I hope if I uh, if for some reason I am in town and I make it here, I want to play my, the interview I did with monochrome set. It's been a long time. It's been about nine months since that show. So I feel bad. Um, but I did try and help get them locked down a show for them early next year. So it kind of works out in that way. And again, uh, if you want to follow me or find me on Facebook, uh, I'm, I'm on there. <laughs> uh, sounds from the street, uh, is the show. And then I'm on Facebook, Asia Spearman, just my personal account. Um, it's mostly political, uh, a little feminist, a little bit of business, a little bit of music, food and health mixed in. So hopefully that's something that you guys can rock with. And I'm thinking that you might want to hear uh, one of the interviews. Um, so let's see what I can come up with. Oh, interesting. I don't know why it says share public recording. Oh, the URL f- feature has been disabled. I don't know if that's a good thing. Oh, there's always 
that's something I learned about technology. Anytime there's an update, it's, it's not always smooth sailing. I mean, sometimes it's like, okay. (laughs) Um, like for instance, at work, I, um, the new iOS is called Catalina. Um, and for whatever reason, I didn't have the option to share. So when I'm, uh, when I'm training customers, I have to share my screen because I have a presentation and that's just part of the, the whole kit and caboodle. So for whatever reason, I uh, couldn't share my screen and couldn't figure out why I couldn't share my screen. So yeah, <laughs> it only took me two weeks to figure it out, but hey, better late than never. All right. So uh, without further ado, um, here's the first interview I did with LPGOB. Great! I just been in the studio all morning. I have um, this amazing producer, Boom Dice, who actually I just released my latest single with. Um, he is based out of London, but he's in LA for a week, and so we were in the studio this morning. And then um, I got to go in with Kalina Zanders, who is one of my favorite vocalists of all time. We're working on a track, so we've been comping vocals all morning. So it's been productive and inspiring. So what are you looking for? Love to hear it. Tell us a little bit more about your new single, Ready to Go. Yeah, so I was on tour with um, Kahlo and Jack Jones in um, last, oh gosh, last year sometime. Mm-hmm. I think it was like around November. Honestly, I don't know. But um, <laughs> I was out in the UK, and um, I, whenever I'm on tour, I'm just always constantly listening to as much like piano house or you know house with piano in it as possible, and um, playing around like doing my own improv over it on the keyboard and coming up with, you know, different piano chords over cool beats or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just sort of do that in the downtime between sound checks and that, and, and that stuff. And I had just come up with a, a piano like that I really, really loved. We kept trying to put it into different songs I was working on, but uh, none of them were, were quite right. And then um, I called Brian. I let him know I was in London for the day, so I came into the studio and he played me a few ideas and the piano is just perfectly even like the, the kick drum is tuned correctly to the, the piano part that I had written and so we just you know caught a flow and started going and um, made ready to go in, in like half a day. <laughs> well <laughs> sounds like it was meant to be then. <laughs> yeah definitely I mean you know, obviously there's always tweaks and all that stuff but it just yeah. sort of just like, you know it just, mm-hmm. it just came out which is always those are the most fun songs I've definitely labored and labored over over many tracks so that was it was very joyous nice and uh you also participate in femhouse house workshops and there's a special one coming up in september do you want to go into detail about that yeah so i started femhouse, house which is um an initiative to um teach women and girls how to produce and engineer music you know it's still a very uh, male dominated field especially electronic dance music. Um, and so we started these monthly workshops that are free, and they're taught by an amazing educator. Her name is Lauren Cox. Her stage name is Minnie Bear. And um, she taught herself Ableton by herself mm-hmm. by reading the entire Ableton manual front to back, which is amazing. Wow. And um, 
you know, when I, the very first time, the very first time I even attempted to open a DOS system, I was, I was still in college, and I went and took a course, um, an Ableton course they were offering, and it was 250 men and me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and for me, you. Know, that, that made me go, for me, that made me go, like, okay, bring it on. Like, that. I'm definitely doing this. <laughs> but, you know, it's, I, it's not everybody, obviously, reacts that way, and I think creating safe spaces where people feel comfortable learning and asking questions and, you know, getting their hands on, on the gear and all of that, I think that's really important. And so, um, yeah, so we started Stem House and um, we started, we kicked it off at Moogfest. We did a panel and I led a workshop there. And then um, they started in June, did a little party with, um, with Gibson in May as well. And then the actual workshop started in June and they've been so, there's so much awesome positive feedback. And um, there's actually been a few collaborations that have happened from uh, some of the women meeting in the workshops, which is mm. brings me so much joy. Um, so yeah, I think that it's really important for for uh, at least to learn the language of the studio, so that if you do go in with any other producer, you can still control the sound of your of your art, which is which is our voices, you know. So yeah. it's just about um, another avenue for empowerment and um, and skill set and growth. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for doing that. Thank you. Thank you for caring. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard out there. Um, I saw that you are kind of a business owner yourself, or you, you work on a few different... ...projects outside of music. Do you have any advice for uh, women who are just starting out and want to pursue a business idea yeah yeah um you know i think what i've learned is the more you do the more you do um <laughs> the, i think that uh when you have you know limited number of hours in a day they become more efficient all of a sudden <laughs> and i think that like just knowing that that's going to happen is um is important to know because it can seem overwhelming and scary mm-hmm. and also like i mean ignorance in a way is bliss like if somebody had told me how hard it would be to like get to a level where I'm producing the kind of music I, I actually like, or I'm yeah. you know creating the things that I like, or I'm working the space that I like. I mean, I, I don't know honestly if I would have done it. <laughs> Just take it one day at a time, lay one yeah. good brick, and like the next brick will appear. And I also think it's just about um, you know using the good and the bad to fuel you. I mean, I, I personally am very fueled by positive feedback and, and encouragement, but like I really had to learn how to you know let let the negative stuff also inspire me because it's going to happen, but you will move through it and um, you're going to learn something from it, which is, which is really the point of why we're here. Growing. Yes, absolutely. I'm kind of on that same wavelength as you right now. Just like, how can I, you know, how can I better myself physically, mentally, spiritually? Yeah. That's kind of been yeah. like the 30s. Yeah. <laughs> Totally, yeah, and I'm actually now I'm in the place where I'm reading a book called Rest, which is about how <laughs> rest actually yeah. will be more productive because that sometimes rest scares me and makes me anxious. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, I am learning how to like maybe get a little bit better of those boundaries where like now I'm going to make sure that I spend some time on my, you know, physical energy and activity in the morning working out. Like that's going to make the rest of the day more productive. It's hard yeah. to, you know, it's hard to set those boundaries, but. I am I am slowly but surely learning that actually they are more helpful to my productivity. So that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm working on it. <laughs> Glad to hear it. 
so if people want to find out more about you online, uh, what's the best site for them to check out? Yeah, they can go to my website, which links to pretty much everything, and that's mm-hmm. lp at lpgob.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have a big upcoming tour with Sophie Tucker, and you're going to be opening yeah. for them at uh, the Fox Theater on October 9th. That's going to be pretty rad. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. I actually, my first job out of college was working for the concert promoters that do um, that do the Fox Theater and out oh, the lands, and my job actually was to market the Fox Theater. So I spent, you know, the oh, first wow. few years of my young adult life watching other artists perform, <laughs> thinking, oh, I wish I could do that. <laughs> and so it's so crazy to now get to be back there and full circle. Yeah. I'm really, really excited about that one. That's, it's like uh, it's coming full circle for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I'll cry on stage. It doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll be looking for it. We'll be expecting it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and um, you guys, um, or you collaborate and you have uh, the Animal Talk Collective. Can you tell us a little bit more yes. about that? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. It's one of my favorite things on the planet. Um, it is, it's a collective that uh, I started with Sophie Tucker. Um, you know, touring can be really intense and um, exhausting. And it's sort of a, a, a family and a, a community and and the place to learn how to tour in a way that um is sustainable and you know how to just have other people on your team cheering for you and rooting for you and knowing what you're going through um Mm -hmm. and it's also a publishing company and it's also a touring party so um we go into clubs and turn them into neon jungles Mm -hmm. and everybody gets masks and dresses like animals and (laughs) raves all night and it's so so fun. It's, it's all about tapping into your inner child. And um, I mean, I'm like pretty much howling throughout my entire set. <laughs> it's just like a very open, wild space. Um, the last actually Animal Park party was in Montreal on Saturday mm-hmm. night. And mm-hmm. Tucker came back out at like three in the morning and we did like a B2B dark techno set until like four. It was just, it's always, you never know what's going to happen. It's like always wild and crazy. Everybody who's on the lineup is always family and there's like a lot of just intermingling and and you know people popping up on their sets and right it's just it's so fun oh my gosh i think i might have to join in one of these um <laughs> you know on this experience <laughs> I, I hope that you can it's so every time i feel like oh you know tonight i'm feeling really tired like you know the second that you enter the venue you're like whoa okay let's go <laughs> yeah let's do this um, who would you say are some of your biggest influences? Um, great question. I'm a jazz piano player, so like oh, I, nice. I think Monk is a is a massive influence for me because he's very outside the box and um, mm-hmm. you know it doesn't necessarily feel like contains like the jazz standard. And I think that that's been helpful. And um, when I first started making electronic music, um, I you know was kind of freaking out like I need one lane. What's my one lane? And um, mm-hmm. you know looking to musicians like like monk who didn't at all care about elaine has has been inspiring um harry chandler i mean he you know has a keyboard and so i i uh, use djs and a piano during my life set and so he's you know one of the first people to do that which was which was really inspiring um obviously sophie tucker i think Mm -hmm. um anna is a big inspiration i actually got to chat with her for a while at hard fest and this thing, um, you know, she has she has a baby. She played hard fest when she was eight months pregnant, and it's wow. just, that's pretty revolutionary for a woman in this space, especially you know. Yeah. 
And yeah. also, like, it is so inspiring to see that it's possible. Um, so, yeah, let's say. <laughs> and is there, is there anyone you're listening to at the moment that you think we should know about? Yeah, I'm actually, um, there's a woman named Unique, U-N-I-I-Q-U-3. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, I actually, I'm the Chevy Hotel's North American Music Director, and I booked her for a show in L.A. So she'll uh-huh. be playing at W Hollywood on Sunday. Nice. Um, and she is phenomenal. She's um, mm-hmm. pretty well on this. Um, she gets on the mic when she's performing. Uh, she, you know, she wraps her own stuff. She's Jersey Club. Um, she's just, she's a queen. She's amazing. And she's just so fierce and so lovely. To check her out then. <laughs> and where do you see yourself going in the next couple of years, uh, project-wise? Great question. Um, I plan on, you know, making as much as much music as I can. Um, I'm working on a few records that are pretty, like, fluffy and pretty hard, hard-hitting hard um, with some powerful top liners, um, the artist, Lena Zanders. And then I'm working on um, also some, like, Piano Gospel House. <laughs> oh, both, wow. Both things inspire me a lot. Yeah, usually my stuff are, I like to, like, start start in the Piano House, Gospel House world and end with, like, sort of more club, big room stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. it's fun for me to try to make um, a track for each each part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, working on that and touring and meeting as, as many inspiring people as I can. Sounds amazing. Well, we really look forward to October, seeing you October 9th at the Fox Theater. I can't wait for that. Yes. <laughs> and it was a pleasure to chat with you. Hope to bump yeah, into you one of these you. days. <laughs> Love that. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Sorry, guys. Um, somebody called me. <laughs> And, um, yeah, that was my interview with LP GOB. Uh, you can find her, um, on the internet, on social media. And, um, she's, a she has a, a vast web presence, so you can definitely find her on there. And, um, oh yeah, I'm going to be playing another interview for you. I did a couple weeks back. Um, it's for a documentary that came out a couple months ago called Blue Note Records, Beyond the Notes. And I did an interview with the director, Sophie Huber, and they still have a few upcoming screenings if you're in some of the metro areas. They like to call Los Angeles or New York. Uh, you can go to bluenoterecords-film.com or um, it looks like it's available on demand so you can watch it in the privacy of your own home. But if you are... What I liked about that interview is when she said, oh, yeah, I'm a jazz pianist. And I was like, mm-hmm. Because it's like once you learn something new and then you meet new people, you kind of, maybe it's as you get older, you kind of start to see this pattern of, oh, yeah, especially in, in music because it's all, you know, it's all interconnected. It's all like, it's telling a story. It's, you know, the history of the world. It's like, it's kind of like 30 years ago. Um, we didn't have the technology that we had. And then now 30 years later, it's like, we're kind of going back to some of the things that were happening 30 years ago, but then it's different now, right? With technology and we've progressed a little bit. I would, I would argue that we haven't progressed enough, which is why 
we're kind of hitting our heads against the wall right now because we don't have universal health care. Women, you know, we have rights, but I would argue that because we don't have the Equal Rights Amendment, it's just not, it's not good enough, guys. (laughs) But it's not just to protect women, it's to protect men and women. You should watch the the two uh, films about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. One's a documentary about um, the cases, um, the landmark cases, I should say, that she was associated with. And then the other one's the uh, a film, you know, an actual Hollywood movie, which was, which was actually quite good. Um, Crystal, um, she took me uh, to see that uh, last year before the holidays. So good. Um, I'm getting older, so certain things where you'd be like, that's exciting to you? It's like, yeah, that's real fucking exciting. <laughs> So you definitely want to go check those out just so you can kind of, especially if you're like, well, you know, if you're in the the more conservative or moderate mindset, maybe you'd feel differently um, learning about somebody else's experience, somebody who's actually, you know, um, based on their experience, that's why they, they feel this way. It's not because they're trying to be divisive. It's based on, you know, their life experience. And I'm form my opinions based on my limited life experience. I've still got a lot of learning to do, but, um, yeah, I'm just looking at my endless, calendar (laughs) on Facebook, um, one step at a time, but there are some, you know, some fun things coming up for the holidays. So you might see me around town, you know, they have a new ice skating rink. This is another thing that I'd like to do one of these days or been wanting to do. It's something I'm really good at guys. I'm really good at ice skating. I don't fall. Um, I don't get too crazy because some of these ice skating rinks during the holidays, they're not big enough. It's not like the, the rink that I used to have in Culver city, which, um, what's his face used to skate at, um, Bruce Jenner, (laughs) who's now known as Caitlyn Jenner. He used to practice there or he used to go there occasionally when I was growing up. Um, but anyways, um, it was so much fun and it's like, um, I'm going through this period of my life where I'm like, wow, that was kind of cool. Why don't I, you know, take a stab at it again. And ice skating is definitely one of those things. But anyways, there's three to three public skating rinks, outdoor skating rinks, I guess I should say civic center, Embarcadero, and Union Square. So I haven't tried the Civic Center one yet, but I'm thinking it's the holiday season. There's going to be a shit ton of people, but you know what? It's fun. Just suck it up and do it. So maybe if I do it again this holiday season, um, that'll kind of kick my ass into gear, like invest, um, invest in some skates, you know, after the holidays, um, you know, to, and invest in, you know, getting a, a teacher or a coach or whatever, like see if it's, you know, worth, uh, pursuing as a hobby. Obviously I'm not going to be professional, but you never know. Tanya and Nancy were my, you know, athletic role models, I guess you could say. And, um, Christy Yamaguchi, um, that, that seeing that one film, 
um, I, Tanya was actually <laughs> kind of, <laughs> kind of inspiring, even though it's supposed to be like, wow, that was, uh, the, you know, the whirlwind that was Tanya Harding and that whole, um, experience, you know, but I have good memories of that. I have good memories cause it was pretty much just from what I remember, it was pretty much them and, uh, you know, Venus and Serena, the other, women that you knew of were older they were not they were not young like there were a few like say for instance like the wrestling world there was only like china um trish stratus um and there were a few there were a few other ones but there weren't a lot of female wrestlers like 20 years ago now they have like the whole i love watching total divas and um uh, God, I can't remember their names. Um, but they they were, were so famous. Um, the twins, they were so famous that they started having their own spinoff show. So it's like this whole thing now, like that just didn't exist, you know, 10 to 20 years ago. So it's like, okay, like things have changed, but, um, have they changed enough? <laughs> can it go any faster? <laughs> so that's why you need to vote. That's why, um, you know, you say, oh, I trust somebody else to do the voting for me. It's like, well, do you really want, um, do you really believe in a woman's right to choose? Do you, do you know? <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. But anyways, um, let's go ahead and uh, let's focus our attention back to jazz music. And um, this interview is broken up into two sections, uh, but let's uh, take a listen to my interview with Sophie Huber. Sophie, are you still with me? Yes, I am. Awesome. The day is going well. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Things are going smoothly. Um, But anyways, um, it's a pleasure to speak with you and talk about uh, your film about Blue Note Records. Um, It's a documentary film. And documentaries are really like, there's a lot of music documentaries out now, which I really like, because I feel like in the past, it was kind of, you had to do a lot of digging to kind of learn about you know different music genres different music labels but now with all of these documentaries it's a lot it's a lot easier to kind of learn about those kinds of things yeah yeah well first of all thanks for having me on yeah and uh yeah it's, it's a pretty good time for for music documentaries um and for us it's also good to release it this year because it's the this anniversary of the note wow which is which is nice yeah yeah, time flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was um, interesting to learn. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people haven't seen the film yet, but I was lucky enough to watch it last night. But it gives a really great overview of kind of the history, some of the jazz greats. Um, and I know that you had the opportunity to work with uh, Wayne Shorter and Herbie Hancock. What was that like? Well, one one of the things that was um, really important to me right from the beginning, you know, when I started to think, how do I put a piece of history into a 90-minute film, mm-hmm. was that um, that I focus on the, the music, obviously, but also the, the musicians, and to let them talk and and 
find a way sort of behind the scenes and better understanding what improvisation is, mm-hmm. what their what their what their quest is, what they're trying to to say with the mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, we were filming a session with the younger artists, which was right. also important to me to feature, you know, what's currently happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I saw that around the same time, Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter were playing at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh, so wow. I asked Don Walsh, the head of um, Blue Note, whether he could invite them to the session with the younger guys. Yeah. So it basically okay. happened for for the film. And it was quite magical for, for everyone who was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First of all, to... Well, to be in the room with these iconic artists, you know, like Wayne Shorter and, and Herbie Hancock, but also to see how they interact with the younger artists, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who, who, you know, Herbie and Wayne are basically musical gods to, 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 to the younger guys. Yeah. <laughs> but but how, how there was no hierarchy, while, you know, when mm-hmm. they came together and played. Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. something that's so amazing uh, about jazz, that form of collaboration and um, equality, you know. Right. And I feel like that's kind of missing. Like, you don't really see that too much these days. So I kind of, I really appreciate you, you know, portraying that in the film and kind of honing yeah. in on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. for Yeah, because that, that was in, important to me. Also, I mean, especially in these, you know, in this divisive climate, yeah, to feature not only the music itself but actually what it stands for, right? Which and all these values that you know, Herbie and Wayne talk about that go far beyond music. Mhm, mhm. And it was interesting how they kind of learned from Miles Davis. He was their leader, so to yeah. speak. But he didn't really act like a leader. It was more just like, hey, like, you know, you might be Yeah, it's sure. great. Um, Herbie Hancock came to one of our L.A. screenings recently. Oh, nice. And and I sat next to him, oh, which, wow. which was kind of a great experience in itself because, you know, seeing it through his eyes and seeing him see all the people he's, he's known, whether, whether they're still alive or not. But um, in the film... Lionel Lueke, that guitar player, the younger mm-hmm. the younger guys, mm-hmm. he says that he's learned from from Herbie that there basically are no mistakes, which Herbie learned from Miles, mm-hmm. and uh, and Herbie was very pleased to hear it because he, he you know he told, he said Lionel never told me that. <laughs> <laughs> and that hopefully you know people younger a younger generation will see this film and feel really inspired to, you know, start their own music project and not feel yeah. like they have to, you know, stay in the box, so to speak. Yeah, and that that was my goal too, to um make a film that that is for people who also for people who do not necessarily have a great knowledge of, of jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that it's like an introduction to to learn about where the music com- comes from. Also about the connection to to hip hop, right? And that that comes out of jazz among among other musical forms. Yes, I definitely, I definitely had took that away from seeing the the film. But 
you know, you kind of hip hop is is so pervasive now, but we don't realize there's there's such a a rich history there in terms of jazz and civil rights and yes. um, you know, how iconic that time period was. But there was a lot of social upheaval, kind of like right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's actually kind of interesting also that um, I mean, just getting back about the connection between jazz and hip hop. That all the people who come see the film, it makes them look differently and at at hip hop mm-hmm. and vice versa. So younger people start to learn about jazz through the film, which would yeah, which would be great. Yes, I need to learn more about jazz. <laughs> well, it's yeah, we, <laughs> there's always more. <laughs> um, I did, but but that's that, also the yeah. thing that you know, like people have um. A notion that you have to understand it, or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be- before you can even listen to it, and I never understood why that is because all you need to do is just listen and and, and feel it, you know. Right, it's more of a, a feeling, a vibe, um, just like any time you go see a concert or you know come across something interesting, even on the street, like buskers here in San Francisco. You don't necessarily have to know ahead of time, but maybe that's a generational thing with social media and having access to things so quickly without yeah. having to really, you know, work for it. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, hopefully people will will experience will experience things in the moment more, which I think is also something that the film kind of touches on, right? Like kind of living in the moment and not focusing on the history or the future as much. Yeah, we, which is like um, elemental to, to improvisation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there's no other way to really truly improvise than to fully responding to whatever happens in, in the moment. Right. And, and to I'm... me, that's also a reason why this film should be seen on, on the big screen. Yes. Not just to experience the um, the power of the music, but but also to be in that space, you know, and not be this be in a dark room with other people and not being distracted by incoming emails and stuff. Oh gosh, ain't that our lives now? <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> so much distraction. <laughs> but uh, so the film's going to be premiering in San Francisco at the Roxy Theater on August 9th, which is coming up. Right. And uh, people must see this film um, if they're music fans, if they're jazz fans, if they're neither of those things, they can still get something from this film. I hope that's the case, and I believe it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's playing for at least a couple of days. I think three, four, they might be adding shows. Yes. The more, the more, the merrier. The Roxy has had some really good films this year. Yeah, yeah. I really wish I could be there, but I'll be in Switzerland. Yes, you can come ne- uh, next time. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll let them know. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to find out more about the film online, yeah. Uh, so a great way, um, if if anyone is on social media. Um, we're on Facebook, uh, Blue Note Records Film, mm-hmm. and the same handle on Instagram and Blue Note Film on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And we have a website that is Blue Note 
Rackets, um, what's that, Dash film? Mm-hmm. Blue Rackets, mm-hmm. what's that? I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it's Blue Rackets film.com, you'll find it. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what other people think, because I'm only going to say great things about it. Great, and thank you so much. And that's I, kind of what we need is, is um, you know, for people to to spread the word mm-hmm. because we're not we're basically releasing this on our own. Oh wow! So we have no marketing budget, so that's why we need you all to help us spread the word. I'm putting my marketing hat on right now as we great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have to get really creative. There's there's one thing about creating the product, but then marketing the product, that's like a whole other ballgame, I feel. Yeah. And that was another interesting part of the film, I might add, how they, they talked about the the two uh, creators of Blue Note Records and how they just didn't really care about making money or marketing to a certain extent they were more focused on the the music the artistry yeah yeah it's very much like being a documentarian yeah (laughs) i was like that's another parallel (laughs) but yeah it's it's just something that that is so important i think to um to you know have a motivation that 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 goes beyond like just doing something for commercial success, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Which which is another, you know, like this film has been funded by by Swiss federal funds mostly. Right. Oh. Okay. We tried oh, to get American funding but did not receive a dime. Wow. I didn't know which that. Which I think is that same sentiment of of Huh. Which to me is sort of shocking, you know, that this with right. taxpayer people have to pay for um, a tribute to, a, to an American landmark. Yes, and that was something I noticed um, in the just drawing a parallel in the Miles Davis biopic when he went to Paris. He t- he went on a tour in Europe, and when he went to Paris, it was just he felt like he was living in another universe because yes. people treated him with respect and. That just wasn't the case here in the United States. It was a different yeah. existence. So I'm wondering. Even, yeah. So yeah, even even the um, the archival content footage that we use, mm-hmm. mostly all of it is is uh, European broadcasters who recorded and filmed oh. the concerts. Huh. Whereas it was. Sophie, are you still with me? Yes, I'm here. Perfect. So we are uh, in deep discussion regarding how you were able to obtain archive footage for the film, and it's actually really interesting. Yeah, so, you know, since we were talking about that the film has been funded through European funds, Mm -hmm. um, I discovered that all, practically all, except for one short clip with uh, Thelonious Monk, all the concert footage in the film was filmed in in Europe, whereas you know broadcast broad, broad sorry 
broadcasters there, so mm -hmm. this is worth recording and documenting, right. where it's really difficult to find footage from these artists in the United States, mm -hmm. which to me, it's just kind of astonishing, you know. And um, why I'm trying through the film to let people know and also let young people know about these heroes that they might not even know of, you know. Right. And it's interesting because I think in terms of having African-American musicians on television, even having them in front of a camera broadcasting uh, to a national audience, that didn't really happen till later. Yeah. To like the 60s, I think even the 70s, was like Fly in the Family Stone and Soul Train and, and those kinds of shows. But before that, I think it was really few and far between unless you, um, you know, somehow were able to obtain a newspaper or knew somebody in the scene, that kind of thing. I don't know how people would have found out about it till later, till the records came out. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's, um, I think it really ties into what we've been talking about. Jazz as a musical genre, civil rights, um, you know, the history, the beginnings of hip-hop. I feel like it's all intertwined, and, um, you know, it's good to kind of bring it back to its uh, formation, and that was really jazz music in the yeah. in the 30s and, and 40s. Yeah, and it's interesting what's happening now, you know, the connection between jazz and hip-hop, not, not just through sampling, mm -hmm. but that, you know, these guys uh, on Bruno, for example, Robert Glasper and Ambrose Akin Muziri play on Kendrick Lamar's album. That's right. So, and that's, that's very interesting to me and is part of why I wanted it to be part of this film because jazz has always changed its form. And there's something happening right now that's very interesting. Yeah. I didn't and it's know actually that. also the older guy who made me aware of it, like, you know, yeah. Herbie Hancock, who said you should go check out what, what happens there. Huh. So they're very much into, you know, moving it forward. Wow. And that's, um, you know, paying respects to, to your elders. Yes. <laughs> but that's um that's amazing and you know, props to him. I think he, he's won a few Grammys recently, so props yes. to him. Yeah, and Wayne. I think Wayne won for his album. Mhm. Mm and hopefully though you know, hopefully people like him will bring it more to the forefront and, and talk about it more, um, you know, so that it goes viral and it'll help to promote the film too. Yeah, yeah. No, that why why was so nice that that uh, Herbie came the other day to a Glendale screening we had. Oh, nice. I think yeah. I've seen him in concert a long time ago. Yeah, but you know how they have the North Sea Jazz Festival in um, Rotterdam. Yeah, some of the artists were just playing there. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know it's during the the summertime, and if people you know, are fans of jazz or want to learn more about it, I feel like that would be a good festival to to attend, you know. Yeah, but also Herbie is touring with two other people in the film, Lionel, the guitarist, uh -huh. and Terrace Martin, who is um, a musician, but also the hip-hop producer behind To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. 
Oh, nice. So they're all touring together across oh, the US. So that would be a great <laughs> one to catch. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it up on Spotify and check it out. <laughs> great. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I'm glad that we Thank got you. to chat yeah. uh, about, about the film. And uh, people are going to, you know, let us know what they think about the film. And hopefully they're going to go out and buy some music, too. Honestly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and go listen to to uh, live music. Yes. Which is yes. amazing. Go to more shows and some of those album covers, actually all of them, the one that you the ones that you featured in the film were very iconic. Um Yeah, and kind of timeless too. Yes. Yes. Yep. Definitely. All right. Well thanks so much for your time and uh let us know next time you're in San Francisco. Okay, great. I will. And thank you so much for um, the shout-out. Of course, anytime. <laughs> All right, well, enjoy, All right. The rest, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, you too. Okay, talk to you later. All right. Okay. Bye. And that was my extensive interview with uh, Sophie Huber, if you're just tuning in. Uh, she's the director of a documentary that was just released a couple months ago. Um, it's called Blue Note Records uh, Beyond the Notes, or Blue Note Beyond the Notes. And it features Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, two two jazz greats. Um, it also talks about um, not only the history of Blue Note, but also talks about Miles Davis, Salonius Monk, other artists who, you know, were associated with the label. And, um, you know, it that just really, like, struck me when she was telling me about how she couldn't even get funding for the film here in the United States. Shame on us. Shame. <laughs> if you don't tell the history you're damn gone it gonna repeat it so thank god that europe um they've been around longer than us they understand the you know they understand the importance of you know knowing the history of certain things so in relation to the miles davis biopic went to paris loved it different world over there uh different experience you know so so we got some we got some work to do over here we gotta it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to the voting booth so um so there's really no excuse uh for you guys out there sorry i'm turning into the the studious professor there are so many candidates running for for the Democratic nomination. Spend some time, please. Spend an hour. Um, spend a couple hours. Take some time out of your day to learn about the candidates, learn about their platform, what they stand for. Um, I'm going to be doing that on either Wednesday or Thursday. That's why I'm watching, because I don't have... I don't think I have the, the capacity to sit and do that. If you don't have the capacity to do that like me, then at least tape the um, tape the debates and watch them. Just keep, keep watching them. Soak it up. That's how I soak it up. I'll have it on in the background while I'm getting some work done or cleaning, what have you. And you just soak it up and figure out who's, who speaks to you directly because you can't say that you're going to vote for Donald Trump. You just, you can't say that 
because that's literally just a vote for for ignorance for racism for you know for everything that's anti-american let's just say it because a lot of the stuff that he's doing is is kind of what a, a traitor would do. He's a traitor. So that's why um, they're having this impeachment inquiry. And um, what I'm trying to say is the way things are going is not normal. It's not okay. And we need to change it. And the way we're going to change it is by not only paying attention to the 2020 Democratic candidates. Uh, you also want to vote locally. And, um, yeah, it was kind of hard the last, um, what was it, two weeks ago when we had the local election. I was like, wow, I'm so focused on 2020. I didn't even have a chance to really think about the local election. And some people are like, well, the local election is more important. But I think right now, 2020 is actually looking pretty darn important. Um, you guys are going to laugh at me. Um, but I actually sent an email saying, hey, I work for a local community radio station in uh, San Francisco, and I'd love to attend uh, the debate that's going to be happening not next week, but um, around Christmas time, actually. I think it's in December. Um, it's going to be at uh, UCLA in Los Angeles. And I thought that would be so cool. And then I had another stupid idea. <laughs> You guys are really going to laugh at me. I actually don't know. I haven't checked it recently, but I've been checking like who's actually going to be there. So there's this thing like, oh, people are just, you know, paying attention to, um, you know, who's the who's the shiny thing. So they say that um, going on a tangent again, guys, Um uh, they're saying that Pete Buttigieg is going to win the nomination, or he he has a good chance of winning the nomination in Iowa. I don't know. I know that not everyone's kind of on board with that right now. But um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, depending on the women who, the female candidates who end up making it to the debate, I was going to... I was going to, like, go to a store, go to, like, the Goodwill store, uh, Goodwill or Salvation Army, and buy an old cheerleader's outfit. Keep this in mind. This would be if I actually get to go, which I have no clue if I'm going. Most likely not. But if I was able to go and and attend, I would wear something ridiculous, like a cheerleader's costume or, you know, outfit with I don't know how how I would do it you guys tell me what you think um find me on you know the Facebook or Instagram and let me know what you think of this uh cheerleader costume or maybe just get rid of the cheerleader costume have some kind of like wear like a really skin tight bodysuit and have the, the either the names or the pictures that I feel like that having the pictures of the female candidates running would be weird, but maybe it would get people's attention and, you know, putting it on various parts of the bodysuit. I really sound insane right now. Maybe this isn't a good idea, but my thought was like, make a big deal about the fact that there are so many women who are running for the highest office in the land. This is really important. And I know that you know, everyone has their opinions about it. I've never 
had this experience before. I've never lived in a time where there's been, you know, more than one or two women running for president. I thought Hillary running for president was pretty fucking exciting. Don't get me wrong. I did vote for her, by the way. But um, I'm looking at, I was um, trying to fill some airtime here because I was trying to see who's actually going to be at that debate in Los Angeles on December 19th. And I will actually be there in Los Angeles around that time. So it would be amazing. But so far, it's Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, uh, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, and Andrew Yang. Uh, there are, it looks like Tulsi Gabbard has a good chance of being there. Um, I don't know about Marianne Williamson. She hasn't been at the, the last few debates, but she was at the first few. Um, yeah. So anyways, my idea, either a cheerleader costume or a full bodysuit with either pictures or names of the, the, uh, female candidates who are running for president just as a way to kind of rub it in people are going to say I'm insane but it's like it's kind it's more like a celebration like look at us look at how far we've come we've almost broken through that glass ceiling and I'm just flaunting it I'm just fucking flaunting it and putting it in your fucking face and I'm trying to get your attention like I've never you know I've done that in certain you know scenarios in my life but I felt like wow if I had that opportunity I think um somebody here at the station (laughs) I think Pam Benjamin used to be a cheerleader I think Pam you were a cheerleader and she was wearing a cheerleader's costume at a Warriors game when they were at the finals so I think that's where I got the idea from her so maybe I should brainstorm with her at at some point if this dream ever came true but then again I might scrap the whole thing because it sounds a little wacky but I have good intentions. What I could do is just do it in the privacy of the studio, take a photo, post it on Instagram. Maybe I'll do it that way. But I thought it's more like an activist, radical thing that I would want to do to attract attention. And people would be like, wow, there's a lot of women um, on this stage. And that's how I thought of it from the beginning. And I don't think enough people talk about that part of what's going on. So I just thought I would share that with you. So anyways, um, so the next two debates, um, just to fill you in next Wednesday, November 20th, it's going to be on NBC and all four, uh, women are, uh, from, uh, MSNBC and the Washington post. They're going to be asking the question. So that's, um, I think unprecedented as well. So I hope, I hope they ask about the equal rights amendment. I'm going to, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. I'm just going to tell you if I don't hear that, I'm going to be pissed off. So I'm definitely going to go on the social medias after that. And then the sixth debate is December 19th, and that's going to be hosted by PBS and Politico. Um, Oh, I thought it was going to be at UCLA. It's going to be at Loyola. Oh, near the airport. All right. Uh, Due to a labor dispute. Interesting. Okay. So I'll have to find out more about that. But anyways, 
put it on your calendar. There's going to be more debates uh, monthly. I'm just reading what's on Wikipedia, by the way. A monthly debate schedule will continue through January 2020. Starting in February, they will occur more frequently and continue until April 2020. So again, if you don't want to watch it, that's fine. There's going to be clips online or do it the old-fashioned way. Make a list of all the candidates and do your research. That's that's the way you you rock. Um, that's the way you rock. So um, pay attention. Do the right thing. Uh, take a stand. Step out of line. Okay. So um, I just want to reiterate: if you happen to be in Rotterdam on the dates of July tenth. July 11th and July 12th in July of 2020. Uh, that is when the North Sea Jazz Festival is happening. Apparently they have, uh, yeah, that's where it's going to be happening. I just want to make sure it was still in Rotterdam. There's some other festivals, similar festivals. Garakau. Interesting. So, yeah, you should definitely go check that out. I... I don't know what I did. I I think I remember buying a ticket to go there, but I, you know, obviously I didn't plan like how to get there and how to get back. So that was a learning experience for me at 20 years old by myself, pretty much um, going to this festival and then not catching the train back <laughs> to where I was staying. But I absolutely loved it. I had the best time in Amsterdam out of uh compared to some of the other european cities i've visited um i, ha I think i have to say venice uh, italy and uh amsterdam in the netherlands are probably at the top for me um i also really enjoyed um as you know i've been to the uk a few times um i actually really miss scotland um i've been watching uh, a lot of TV shows that remind me of Scotland or filmed on location. And I'm like, oh my God, that's why I'm starting my own business. <laughs> that's why I'm pursuing my own business, I guess you could say, is because I want to have that flexibility. Um, I just want to travel more. I felt like when I when I went back to school, um, you know, uh, I, I spent some time in Europe and then I came back so that I could finish school and quote unquote, get a job and start a career. But in the scheme of things, a part of me is like, God, I wish I would have said fuck it back then. and didn't even try, but then I felt like I had to, because there was so much history of people saying fuck it and then not pursuing anything so I tried it and now I'm you know hoping the whole business thing uh kind of pans out but you know we'll see how it goes um you know I'm just I'm I've only been doing it two weeks so give me a break people <laughs> don't want to drive myself insane but if you get the chance check out Amsterdam uh check out Venice uh, before it floods um They've been in the news. They're going to have record or they're already having record flooding there. Uh, such a beautiful city. Um, yeah, just just see the sights um, and also vote <laughs> because it's all, you know, it's all coming back to that pretty much. It's all kind of coming to a head. Um, it's not a conspiracy, the uh, conspiracy theory either. It's really happening. Um you know this this uh, this climate crisis, 
Um, I just feel a certain way about the people who don't even uh, acknowledge it or recognize it. They're just, I guess there's just some people, um, you know, especially in the United States where we're very privileged and we're, we're very removed from certain things because a lot of uh, industry has been moved overseas. Um, there is a lot of industry still here and it affects, you know, certain neighborhoods. Um, but anyways, um, just, you know, educate yourself if you're not sure. Um, there's a lot of information online. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, videos that you can watch. Um, you can also, if you're financially able, there's, you know, places that you can go to, to find out more about, um, these types of, uh, situations that are, um, you know, affecting all of us. So definitely, uh, pay attention to that. And, um, I'd love to play some music for you guys. Cause we do have a few minutes left. Um, we had a lot of catching up to do. It's been a couple weeks, but, um, yeah, if you didn't know, um, uh, Rage Against the Machine is going to be playing a few shows in uh, March and April of next year. It sounds like they might be playing more shows um, at some point. But um, if you want to catch them, uh, make sure you pay attention to the social media pages and um, you'll be able to uh, find out more that way. Anyways, uh, stay tuned uh, for more Mutiny Radio.
visual on their face like a mask, but their hearts are embroidered with industry. Man thinks, but he only succeeds in enslaving himself. But I've invented a device for the simultaneous classification of various tapeworms. And for every professional neck predisposed to insult, a shot of true nobility.
control now, I just have to slow down a thought or two. I handle the future and I'm not even certain that there is a past. I believe in the workers' evolution and I believe in the final solution. I believe in, I believe in, I believe in the ship of things to come and I Thank you. 
Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Open Pages here at MutinyRadio.fm. Right here in San Francisco, California's Mission District at 2781 21st Street at Florida. And Open Pages is a word arts show that has features and tonight you'll be hearing milo star johnson and d allen so we're gonna get get that fun started um 